Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon features Bible teacher Dan Slagle and was recorded on Sunday, September 4th, 2022. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at FaithBridge to see what goes on during the week. And as always, you can join us every Sunday online for FaithBridge Live at faithbridge.org live. Here's Dan. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Faith Bridge. So glad you've chosen to worship with us today, whether you're here in the live service, if you're coming to us online, or if you are in our communion service. Now, some of you that are new around here, perhaps you've heard us talk about this communion service, wondering what, what's the deal with that. Well, let me tell you right quick. Every Sunday, uh, Faith Bridge has two different services. Uh, one is geared more toward the individuals who like it loud, who love the lights and the sound and the energy, and that, that's, that's what we do here in, in Center Court West. But there are also those among us who prefer a, a worship service that's a little more on the quiet side of things. And uh, for those folks, we have a worship service in Center Court East right here directly behind me where uh, the mood is more contemplative in nature. Uh, there's a little more elbow room. Uh, the music uh, basically is the old hymns of the faith that we all love. Uh, and of course, there is communion every Sunday. And so uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to check that out yet, I would encourage you to do so. 9 and 11, same time as we're worshiping in here. Once uh, members of that service have taken communion, then uh, they tune into the sermon via video, which they are doing right now. So hello, folks over in the communion service. We're continuing on in our year-long series, walking through the book of Luke. We're going to be today in chapter 13, the book of Luke. And once again, my dear friend, Pastor Ken, has managed to hand off to me one of the more enigmatic passages. Nevertheless, uh, God has some good things to say. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. There is a crowd that Jesus is addressing, and Luke writes, Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for the privilege we have now to gather in your house to lift up the name of your Son, Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray now that your Holy Spirit would come just as you promised to be our teacher and to guide us into all truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 30-plus uh, years now of pastoral ministry, I've, I've noticed that there are uh, particular questions that I get asked with some regularity. 
Some of them uh, you would expect to be asked of a pastor. They are theological, somewhat biblical in nature. Folks have questions about their faith. Naturally, they're going to go to their pastor. Uh, Some of the questions, though, uh, aren't so much theological or or biblical. It it, it sort of runs the gamut. Uh, For example, uh, it's not uncommon for people to come to me and and, ask, "How, how can I discover God's will for my life? I wish I had a nickel for every time I've been asked that question. Uh, But then uh, also on one occasion, right out here in the atrium, uh, somebody asked me, so why do you wear blue all the time? Uh, Somebody asked once, "How, how can I know that I'm saved? How can I have some assurance of salvation? On another occasion, someone asked me, does your wife know how lucky she is to be married to you? People often have questions about the Bible. They'll come to me, you know, Pastor Dan, where, where in the Bible does it say? So on and so forth. Someone asked me once, so when, you, when, when your family gets together, do you all like preach a sermon and sing hymns out of the hymn book together? No, <laughs> we don't. We watch TV like everybody else. But without a doubt, <clears throat> there is one question that I have been asked more than any other, hands down. And that is the question, why? Why? Why did my loved one have to die? Why did I lose my job? My family needs me to provide for them. Why? Why? Is our child, in the face of all good common sense, choosing such terrible, terrible choices? Why did we get this diagnosis? It wasn't in our plan. And I get it. I understand the why question. I've asked it myself on more than one occasion I've asked God why Lord was my sister killed in a completely preventable auto accident what what was the point of that God why did my first marriage fail that wasn't a part of my life plan Why, God, when I stepped into a a phase of ministry that I was just sure you were calling me into to plant a new church just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, why did that not turn out to be a smashing success like maybe Faithbridge is? Yeah, I've asked those questions myself. Here's the thing. Life is full of them. If we live long enough, suffering and hurt are going to come our way. It is simply part and parcel of being a part of this broken world. That pain and suffering and death come along. And it's 
understandable. It's perfectly normal to ask why. I would never fault anyone for asking that question. In fact, if someone went through some sort of suffering or certainly the loss of a loved one and didn't ask why, I would perhaps wonder a little bit about their emotional depth. Are they really engaged with what's going on here? Do they really understand the seriousness? Yeah, why is a legitimate question. But despite the fact that it is perfectly understandable and normal and legitimate to ask why, it's been my experience and my observation that solid, satisfying answers to that question are few and far between. Very, very difficult to answer. It occurs to me that when we ask the question, why, about any given tragedy or suffering or pain in our lives, we're, we're, we're really asking uh, one of two larger questions, though we may not articulate it exactly this way. On the one hand, we're, we're asking, why did God let this happen to me? Me. Why did this have to come my way? Did I, did I do something wrong? Have I not been living the way that I should? Is it, is it true that those who do good get good? Those who do bad get bad? Why, why did this happen to me? On the flip side of the coin, uh, the other question is why did God let this happen to me? What sort of God is he anyway? I thought he was a God of love, of care, of compassion. If that's the case, why did God let this happen to me? There's a lot to unpack in that question, why? And that's basically what uh, these folks who've gathered with Jesus are asking. When they reference uh, their friends, more than likely, fellow Galileans who were slaughtered by the governor Pilate, why? What's going on there, Jesus? Were, were they bad people? Did they somehow deserve this? Were they uh, more sinful than the rest of us? Did God just have it out for them? Jesus' answer is no, not at all. No more sinful than anybody else. No more deserving of, of death than anybody else. Just like those folks in Jerusalem who had the terrible fate of being under the Tower of Siloam when it fell. They were no more guilty than anybody else. God didn't have it in for any of them. In fact, Jesus communicates to us, the reality is we are all going to die. Every single one of us. We are all going to die. And then Jesus does something masterful that, that only Jesus could do. In the course of his conversation with them, he answers for them not only the why tragedies like this happen, but he also tells them what can be done about it. And he does that with just one word. Answers the why question and the what question with just one word. And that word 
is repent. Oh, well, thanks, Pastor Dan. That clears the whole thing up right there. Well, no, hang with me here for a few minutes. We need to drill down some into that word repent and the context in which Jesus is using it. The word repent, completely apart from any uh, biblical or theological connotations, the word repent simply means to turn around. If I am walking north and I repent, I turn around and I walk south. That's all the word means. Now, in the modern day church, we have co-opted that word to our detriment, I would say, and repentance has become associated with particular behaviors. Repentance has to do with quit doing this, quit doing that. Don't drink, smoke, or chew, or run with girls who do. If you are a gossip, repent and don't. If you have a problem with lust, repent and don't. If you're a thief, repent, don't. That's not what Jesus is getting at here. There is an element of behavior change involved in repentance, but Jesus is talking about something far more important, much more fundamental to the human experience. When Jesus speaks of repentance here, <clears throat> Jesus is talking about our relationship with God. The whole thing. Not just one particular behavior. Because from a biblical perspective, we were all brought into this world with an opportunity to have a relationship with God, an unbroken relationship with God, where we were for Him and we knew He was for us. But the Bible teaches that all of us, each and every one of us, came to a point in life where we said, you know what? No thanks. I think I've got this thing figured out. I'm going to do life on my own. And we walked away from our Creator. We walked away from the source of life. We walked away from the one who could lead us into a life of abundance and goodness and growth and grace and decided we could do it better ourselves. But what we didn't realize was that when we walked away from God, the only other direction we could walk was toward death. You and I are not self-sustaining. And death was the only other option. And so when Jesus says to repent, he's telling us, you want to know why there is pain and suffering and death in this world? It's because you have all walked away from the source of life and the source of all goodness. That's why. And if you're going to do something about it, the what is to turn around and walk back to him. To decide, I can't do this. I can't give myself life. I can't be the Lord of my life. I recognize that Jesus is the Lord of life. And it's only in a relationship with him that I will experience life both now and throughout all of eternity. Jesus says to these folks, look, <clears throat> it's a tragedy what happened to the Galileans. It's a tragedy what happened to the folks in Jerusalem. It's terrible. But know this, death is coming for all of you. And you have a choice. 
Will you continue to move toward death or will you repent and begin to move toward life? It's been almost two years ago now since my sister was killed in an automobile accident. And I remember in the days, months after that, the word that kept coming to my mind was waste. Waste. Here was this beautiful soul, not not a perfect soul, but a good soul, who loved the Lord and who loved others. And in a moment, the blink of an eye, gone. To what end? It wasn't as though she laid down her life for someone. No, life was taken from her. God, what was the point of all of that living? It just seemed like a big waste. And then there's the matter of the love that I had for my sister. The love that we have for all of the people in our lives that mean something to us. When we love someone, we give away a part of ourselves. We pour into them. We pour out of ourselves into them love. And in a moment, that love, gone. What a waste. In the months following her death, as my family and I continued to wrestle with those questions and try to come to grips with what had happened. Ever so slowly, God began to open my eyes to a truth. Uh, A truth that brought more hope and more healing to my heart than anything else. And the word he brought is this. The cross wastes nothing. The cross of Jesus Christ wastes nothing nothing when Jesus went to the cross and died for you and me and then rose again three days later he defeated the most absurd senseless meaningless part of our whole experience death the worst possible thing that could happen to any of us Jesus was victorious over and because he has defeated death and opened his arms and invited us into life, we no longer have to live as people without hope. We no longer have to wonder, what's the point? Was there any purpose to it at all? No, we can be absolutely sure there's meaning and purpose because life doesn't end when the person's life ends. There's the promise of life eternal. And I cannot tell you how many times I have clung to that truth that I have not seen the last of my sister and that her life was not meaningless and not pointless and all of the love that I shared with her was not a waste because all of that was brought to the cross. And in the cross, all of the meaninglessness and all of the waste was defeated. And in its place grew life and hope. And as followers of Jesus, that is what we cling to in the midst of all of the why questions. Does it make the pain go away? No. 
Does it make all of the questions go away? No, but at the end of the day, that's what we have that no one else has. The sure and certain hope that in Jesus, death is not the end. And when we choose to repent, when we choose to stop walking toward death and turn back to Jesus, no matter what we bring to him, whether it be our own life, our own death, any pain and suffering that we have with us, when we bring it to the foot of the cross, it is not wasted. It is redeemed. It's liberated from its brokenness. Because in the living Lord, we have our hope. I have to think that's what the prophet Isaiah was getting at. When hundreds of years before Jesus was born, he said these words. Speaking of the Messiah, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. You and I grieve, but we do not grieve as people without hope. Because in the cross, we have the hope of redemption and life eternal. Now, perhaps some of you are thinking, well, okay, Pastor Dan, that, I buy that. I've heard that plenty of times before. I've heard it from this stage before, that in Jesus we have life, we have salvation, we have hope. But I got to tell you, that's wonderful for the sweet by and by. Do you have anything for me right now in the very bitter here and now? Do you have anything for me today in the midst of my pain? And my answer is yes, I do. I have a message of hope. Any of us who have been through an intensely painful experience know this for a fact. There is a place deep in our hearts that only we have access to. And even those who are closest to us, our, our spouses, our parents, no matter how much compassion and love and concern and kindness they have for us, at the end of the day, we're left alone in this one place. And nobody else can get to it. It is our burden to carry. Nobody can get to that place of pain except Jesus. As our creator and as our savior, Jesus has access to our heart like no other. And here's the good news, friends. He wants to be there. We don't have to cajole him into being with us. We don't have to beg or plead 
or somehow prove ourselves worthy. No, Jesus wants to be with us in the deepest places of our pain and bring a hope and a healing that only he can bring. Last week, the day finally came that uh, we had to put down um, our dog, Pearl. Pearl had been with us for 14 years, grown up with our girls. And uh, I took her to the vet last Monday. And as the vet and her staff were making preparations, uh, Pearl and I were in a little examining room together. And as we sat there, as I sat there with the knowledge of what was to happen in just a few moments, there were two voices that were shouting in my ears. On the one hand, there was a voice saying, this is terrible, this is awful. There is nothing to do about this except despair. You're always and forever going to feel terrible about this. And there was another voice saying, just deny it. Just pretend like it isn't happened. Look at the ceiling. Look at the walls. Think about the last fight you had with Becky. Think about anything. Just don't think about the reality of the fact that Pearlie's about to be gone. Heck, come it. Help me, church. Help me. But in the midst of those two voices competing for my attention, there was a third one. And it wasn't audible, but it was crystal clear in my heart. And that voice said, Dan, you don't have to do either one. You don't have to despair or deny. I'm here. And I'll walk with you right through this pain. And in a few moments, the vet came in and Pearl was gone. And the proof, as if I needed any, that Jesus was as good as his word, happened when the vet, just the sweetest, most compassionate lady you can imagine, looked at me and said, Pastor Dan, can I pray for you? I said, yeah. And she took my hand and just prayed the most beautiful, beautiful prayer. And I knew that Jesus was as good as his word. And I was able to walk out of there without pearl, but with peace. Peace. Say, oh, Pastor Dan, it was just a dog. It was a life. One that we loved and one that loved us. And I think wherever there is the possibility of life, there's the possibility of hope.
Does that mean dogs go to heaven? I don't know for sure, but it would be just like God, I think, for them to be there. And Jesus was able to show himself faithful to me in the midst of pain. And he wants to do that for you, too. I have to think that in a crowd this size, there is a lot of pain. No telling what some of you are going through right now. But I've come here to tell you today, you don't have to go through it alone. And whatever it is, Jesus has redeemed it. And at the foot of the cross, there is meaning and purpose and hope. And I know that Jesus wants to be with us in our pain because of what he said in the Gospel of Matthew. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus comes to each one of us in our brokenness, in our foolish, sinful determination to walk toward death, and he says, take that yoke off. That's not what you were created for. That's not what I want for you. Take the yoke of death off and turn around and take my yoke on. Because my burden is light and easy. And in me, you will find rest for your souls. That's what Jesus wants for you today. I think it's perfect that in all of our services we're celebrating the Lord's Supper because it's a beautiful, a beautiful illustration of what Jesus has done for us and what he wants to bring to us. On the last night of his earthly life, Jesus took a piece of bread in front of his disciples and he broke it. And he said to them, you don't, you're, you don't understand this now, but I'm telling you, my body is going to be broken. And it's going to be broken for you because I love you. And then he took a cup of wine and he held it up before them and he said, this wine represents my blood which is going to be spilled for you that your sins might be forgiven, that you might repent and return to me, that I might give you life. As you come to the Lord's table today, I invite you to come ready to receive. Ready to receive the life the grace, the hope that only our Lord can give. In just a moment, I'm going to pray over the bread and the juice, and then here in the West, the ushers will direct you down to one of our stations where you can take a gluten-free cracker, dip it in the cup, and then partake. For those of us in our communion service, you can just come forward as you feel led. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. And we pray now as we remember that sacrifice that you would bless this bread and bless this juice and may they be for us your body and blood and may they impart to us that which we could never bring about on our own hope peace life in Jesus name we pray amen